Hello, hello, welcome to the Life Like a Movie podcast. Thank you so much for spending your time and your energy to watch this podcast. I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for this community that we've started to build and it's really just so gratifying to meet so many amazing people through this and then through everyone listening. So thank you again. Now today we have our first uh, repeat guest, Paige Abbott. Now she is a psychologist who just really knows so much about the human cognition, emotion, all that as you can imagine and definitely way more than i do and so for me i'm going to ask her some questions that really dives deep into self-love and affirmations and what it looks like uh, from a psychology perspective and it's going to be a very interesting podcast for a lot of us because most of us have had some sort of trauma in our life or you struggle with a mental illness like i used to and still do to a certain extent so uh, let's dive right into Paige's world and hopefully take something out that can change our life how are you? Oh, I'm well. I'm well, thank you. And yourself? I'm good. Yeah, thanks. Good. Thank you again for doing this. I, yeah, I thanks for having really me back. appreciate your time. My no pleasure. Problem. I really enjoyed it last time. For me, that was like, oh my goodness. It's so nice and refreshing for me to talk to a person and not a book. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. uh, just, just talk with as much experience in something I'm so interested in so for me that's just super nice so I appreciate your time once again and I want to get right into it because um I just yeah I feel like you have so much value to share and I won't want to waste a second here um so the topic and sort of my intention for this episode was more along the lines of uh the relationship we have with ourself and self-love and not feeling guilt or shame or no sorry not not feeling it but finding the acceptance for it and how do we work with it? And how do we uh, overcome some of the negative self-talk? And to see it for what it really is, is a story that we tell ourselves. And how we use that story and view reality through that little lens. That, 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 that kind of topic for today. Sure. So I know that there are quite a few listeners. And I would, myself included, would I'll lump myself in with this too, uh, have really fall into the depth of a negative story we tell ourselves and for me that was it, it that that manifested as a eating disorder for me this was about four or five years ago when it started and my relationship with food has been has been um improved tremendously since then but i still see shades of it coming back and it hasn't quite gone away and so my, just so everybody knows that I'm like totally in this with them. Now, my question for you is, how do we begin to recognize this voice in our head as the negative voice? How do we begin to even just see it as, as not us? Mm-hmm. Well, I think a starting point is we have to actually listen to how we talk to ourselves. And that may seem like a really basic place to start. Uh, But I find that I've talked with a lot of people that when I ask them how they talk to themselves or how they think about themselves, they're actually not sure. And so that's a great starting point is just to tune in. So I encourage people to view their thoughts like a radio or music playing in the background. Um, So you might be doing a task, you're living your life, you're doing other things, but there's this music playing in the background all the time. 
and it truly is there all the time. Um, there's very few moments where we have peace or quiet from that internal dialogue. And so just like when we're doing a task and we have music playing in the background, sometimes we're really focused mm -hmm. on the task so we don't notice the music. But other times, because we know that there's music playing, we'll stop and we'll listen. And so mm -hmm. our internal thoughts is kind of the same thing that we have to know, okay, there's the music or the dialogue playing. Now I need to pause and actually tune in. What is it saying? And when we start to tune in and actually just listen, especially at kind of more critical moments. So when we're doing a task or when we've maybe experienced a powerful feeling, and then we ask ourselves, so what's my mind telling me about this moment? That's where we can start to tune into that internal dialogue and start to hear how we talk to ourselves about ourselves. I love that. So a little nugget there. So when we start to tune in, we can we start to listen to this internal voice. Is this like some sort of compass for us? Is this like, so, okay, great. That's great. Really good to know. So how can we, how can we like hear what we're saying or hear the feeling behind it or hear maybe even an underlying message that we could even verbalize maybe and write down. How can we treat that as our compass? What, what do we, what, what do we extract from that? What do we look for when we start to hear this? So when we first start to do it, I encourage people just be really open. So at first, don't necessarily use it as a compass, just use it as information that gives you the lay of the land to how your mind is talking to you about you. But once you have data, so once you have some dialogue that you can identify, oh, that's what I say to myself, or that's how I, I talk to myself. Um, that's when you can actually stop and start to sort through. So what parts mm -hmm. of that are the true and authentic me? And what parts are not? And that does oh. become um, kind of interesting, somewhat tricky business, but it's absolutely possible to start to sort through what are the messages that we've taken on, either from the unhealthy part of our brain, from society, from media, from external people who've projected their own worldviews and their own issues onto us. Um, so that's when we can start to sort through. But initially, we just have to listen to tune into what's there because we may not know exactly what's there. And I think just like yes. you said at the beginning, once we start to tune in, uh, it is pretty common that what people hear, for the most part, is pretty detrimental. We don't tend to actually <laughs> talk to ourselves very yeah. nicely. Right. Um, so when you start to tune in, you might be a little surprised and you might be a bit disheartened yeah. thinking, oh, wow, I really don't talk to myself very nicely. Yeah. But there's a lot of room to grow with that and to build on that. So how you talk to yourself right now doesn't have to be the way that you're going to talk to yourself forever. Okay, um, that that's probably very nice for some people to hear. Um, the, just having the faith, I think, in an, in an improvement is always very nice to have. Sure. Just being able to just see or feel the light at the end of the tunnel. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, there was something I wanted to ask you about about that specifically. Mm -hmm. I'm just drawing a blank right now, so I'll skip to the next thing. So okay. uh, about about what you just said with affirm or um, in regards to positive self-talk talk, it's not naturally there. So are affirmations worthwhile? That seems to be a very common, a common thing to do in the self-growth field, but some people view it as fluff, you know, like, you know what I mean? So like, what yeah. do you think? I used to 
hate affirmations. No way. They were so lame, so fluffy, yeah, so hippy dippy, touchy feely. Like I had yeah. all these labels yeah. applied to them. Yeah. Um, and it's funny over the years now. I actually tell people that all the time. I was mm -hmm. not a believer in this idea, and now it's a tool I work with people often to build. Because I actually do find, I've found it personally, and I do find it experientially with clients, that it actually is a very helpful way to start to build in new dialogue. And that's mm -hmm. the hope part, that we can train our brains to think and do basically whatever we want them to. So if we continue to focus on how bad we are at something or how worthless okay. we are, um, that's what's going to grow. Or we can start to consciously build in thoughts of growth and hope and purpose and yeah. strength and confidence. And that's where affirmations come into play. And lo and behold, when we actually invite that in, that's what grows. So again, that may not be naturally where our brain has always been going, but yeah, okay. over time, we can train our brains that as a default now, it will bring up the affirmation and the more hopeful self-talk than the detrimental stuff that's been there in the past. So absolutely, affirmations are very helpful. A few key things that I do encourage people to do with affirmations is that you have to make them personal, so very specific mm. to you. You have to see some degree of truth in them. So don't just go online um, and pick affirmations that are out there that you don't really believe connect to you. You're okay. trying to feed those into your brain. It's not going to be very open to receiving them. So it has to be personal. It has to be somewhat meaningful. Yes. It has to be some degree of truth to it. So okay. there has to be just a little bit of a degree of reality. Um, for instance, you may not totally believe that you're a beautiful person, um, but let's say you believe in that to a certain extent. Yeah, I could see how other people might think I'm beautiful or how yeah. I can kind of connect with that. Okay. And so even if there's a seed there, plant it and then feed it and it will grow. Oh, I love that. Just plant the seed. Yeah. That's, that's very beautiful. And um, nourish it, right? And then nourish it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then that would be the repetition. That's the repetition and that's yeah. the re-exposure. I mean, just like that radio, if 100% or the majority of what we're listening to is that harmful stuff, well, that's what we're going to believe because that's what's there. But yeah. affirmations help us to build in some new messages to that radio that over time will build on themselves. So repetition and exposure and practicing this. So actually talking in the language of affirmations internally as well as externally is really important. Okay, awesome. Um, now, I, wanna, I remember what I was going to ask you before, thankfully. So uh, I want to go back a little bit to what you were saying about um, noticing the negative thoughts. Now... <laughs> You said that we naturally have negative thoughts, correct? Because, yep. um, like bi biologically, we want to what is it? Avoid avoid pain, go towards pleasure, and conserve energy. Right? Those are like the yep. three three motivations we have. So, uh, now I was talking with somebody recently who brought forth an idea of noticing our positive emotions, what makes us happy throughout the day, and that that is actually like a compass to what we should be doing more of what our true deep down desire is and what is what what makes us feel negatively we should avoid so my question to you is to see if you can connect these ideas for me to help me understand but uh but also is it 
like, should we have negative emotions? Should we stray away from them? Should we block them out? Should we let them in and feel them? How should we treat our negative emotions? Should they be there? And should we um, take those positive emotions and treat them as a compass? So we're always going to have what you're calling those negative emotions. Yes. Um, I actually don't tend to label emotions as positive or negative. Oh, I, I love that. Common thing out there. Um, cool. The reality is they're hmm. just feelings. They're information. Oh, wow. That's so, so cool. Yeah, I love so that. So if we go around viewing them as negative, then of course you're going to want to do that automatic reflex of push them away and get rid of them. But that can actually create and feed into a lot of mental health and addiction challenges. Because when we're not dealing with reality, and part of our reality will be uncomfortable, um, then that can feed into some problems. So absolutely, feelings are going to come in all shapes and forms. And all of it's informative. So if I'm feeling anger... Anger is a great tool at telling me I'm feeling violated or I'm feeling hurt or upset by something. So anger can be really good guidance to informing boundaries and absolutely informing life choices. When I'm feeling happy, um, that's telling me that what I'm doing brings me contentment, brings me peace, probably is in congruence with my authentic self. So all of it, from my perspective, is informative and helpful. And it is important to pay attention to all of our feelings, not just nurture and nourish the, the so-called positive feelings mm -hmm. and try to get rid of the so-called negative. That's really the basis of mental health and addiction problems is fuel Labeling. the pleasure, ignore the pain. Whereas reality is mm. deal with all of it. And in doing so, all of it actually becomes your compass. So those uncomfortable feelings absolutely inform the direction that you maybe need to steer away from, um, things that you need to do less or differently, and then happiness, joy, peace, contentment, those are your guides for authenticity and likely the direction that you'll want to go in the direction of. But even as you do that, there's still going to be some of those other feelings that come up along the way because we're human beings. That's just a right. natural part of life. That's so awesome. Uh, I've Yeah, that's just so awesome. I love how uh, you don't label positive emotions or negative emotions. There's so much. That's like I, I've, I've heard that constantly is just like mm -hmm. positive, negative, hot, cold, yeah. good, bad. Yeah. Living in the world of duality, we tend to get these feelings of of good and bad positive negative and then we frame the world in that way and we start to play the game so to speak of well good has to win and that we should block out the bad but as Eckhart Tolle says what we resist persists and I think that for me what I've noticed is that with myself I would actually have negative emotions compound because I would try to block them out and then what would happen, I was, I'd feel guilt and shame for feeling the negative emotions because like, no, I'm a, I'm a positive guy, you know, I, should, <laughs> I shouldn't feel these. And then it would just persist, persist. And then I'd have, say, like a relapse or a big negative moment, specifically with my eating disorder that I can think of. And then it would, then it would just be a vicious, vicious, vicious cycle. Totally. And That's so, exactly the problem when we yeah. <laughs> avoid um, or push aside those so-called negative feelings and mm -hmm. only highlight the so-called good feelings. That's exactly the trap. 
So it can seem enticing, but it truly is a trap that can really get us stuck. Yeah, no kidding. Trap is just a great word because it's totally. so tough to realize this. And without without even like the theoretical knowledge of, of under, just even understanding this or hearing what you just said, I feel like it's so tough for us to know. I had no idea when I was first going through this. It's like negative emotions are like, okay, like, you know, so it's, yeah, it's very funny how that works. Um, now, I'd like to direct this more into a, a compulsive behavior addiction conversation because this is just so prevalent amongst many of us, whether it's an addiction for me like food or whether for somebody else it's drugs or alcohol or any number of things, any compulsive behavior, even if it's like a narcissistic addiction or anything. Um, basically, basically, shopping, work, money. Beautiful. Lo- love the example. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yes, I'm sure. Uh, okay, so how how did these start like was it from childhood trauma um that's where i've been finding lately that a lot of stuff stems from like compulsion addiction all that stuff and then what happens through the process i believe in psychology is called habituation where we basically have like a norm and then we adapt to a new norm but then and this is the addiction up here but then to get and this is our new norm now so then but then to get away from that we have to go through that period of you know no dopamine Withdrawal. withdrawal there we go and because of that, it just sucks. And that's why, like, many people <laughs> don't end up getting through that, you know, several-week phase of totally. of overcoming it. Yep. So, okay, yeah, sorry. So, for my question <laughs> is, um, <laughs> uh, my, my question is, so how do we, how do we have the awareness and uh, reflective period? How do, what questions can we ask ourselves to figure out where this stems from? And is that even the first step? Is the first step reflecting? is like where do we go if we have an addiction and compulsion and we realize it where do we go where do we start yeah i feel like the first step really has to be action because by the time people are at the point of saying there's something going on here i need change yeah to sit and reflect is basically what they've probably been doing for a really long mm. time already um, and that also has served to keep them trapped or stuck Because often when, as human beings, we're reflecting, we're trying to analyze and we're trying to find the answer. And with something like addiction, unfortunately, the answers aren't going to be 100% apparent and they may never be entirely clear to us. There are a variety of perspectives out there of where does addiction come from. Even though I'm a psychologist, I really do find much more truth and evidence in the brain disease, brain science camp, um, which talks about addiction primarily being rooted in genetics. So from that perspective, there's not a lot that we can do. I don't know about you. I wasn't given a a score sheet or a genetic card. Um, nor when I had my own child that (laughs) I get to pick off what I want to pass along Um, it just happens right so right off the bat we're starting with factors that we don't have a lot of control over Um, and then when we layer in things like environment exposure to substances stress trauma um, absolutely these become aggregate factors and aggravators but they're not the cause of the problem And I think that when people are getting caught in that reflection, 
it's easy to blame analysis which can lead to people being caught and i've seen a lot of people that they're looking for the cause and let's say they think that trauma is the cause so they'll go and they'll explore their childhood trauma and it may provide them some benefit but they may still feel caught and trapped because to a certain Mm. extent that's a factor but it's not the whole picture So I'm not dissuading people from getting support around trauma, but I would still encourage those people to keep looking at the whole of their life, that there's still going to be other things you'll need to take care of. And a big part of that is to continue to appreciate that even if you leave behind a behavior that was once problematic to you, like food in your case, or maybe alcohol and drugs for some people or other behaviors, that that doesn't mean the problem is gone. So what happens is more it shifts, what it looks like, how it acts, but the primary drive is the same. The brain is looking for that higher level of dopamine. It's looking for escape, reward, and relief. And if we've taken away something that it previously got escape, reward, or relief from, then it will start to look for something else. And I call that addiction. If you're not comfortable with that term, we could also just look at that as the unhealthy part of our brains, because we all have it to a certain extent. It's just some people's has crossed over a threshold where it is creating huge impact in their life, can be life-threatening, can be life-altering. But honestly, I think we're all somewhat at risk to that unhealthy thinking and behavior to a certain extent. And so it's Mm -hmm. up to all of us to really manage it And to come back to the initial question, we have to manage it through action. So understanding and reflection and awareness are helpful, but really the main things we need to do are to act. So we have to act with balance. We have to take care of ourselves physically, emotionally, cognitively, relationally, and spiritually, financially, culturally, And as we do so, Mm. that will give us the platform and it will also give us more answers. So action can give us more reflection and can give us more awareness. Um, So that's the reason that awareness and action have to work together. We can't just wait for reflection to lead to awareness, to lead to action. We have to sometimes act without totally knowing the whole picture. Mm. And it's only in doing so that more will be revealed. Yeah, I love that so much. There's so much there. Holy cow. That yeah, was incredible. On a lot more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, I, I absolutely love that. That was, oh my goodness, that's so great. The problem doesn't shift or it doesn't go away. It just shifts. And then our brain is still looking for the higher level of dopamine. And we all have this, like me, you, Hitler. Someone, someone put it in this way, Genghis Khan. We all have the same brain. Um, and so we all have that unhealthy, that dark aspect of ourselves so how do we because for some people they're like whoa like that's like kind of scary man like that's uh, so like how do we how do we deal with this how do we oh here's a, a great way i'd like to frame this how do we work with ourselves because there's a very common um phrase going around called overcoming ourselves how do we overcome ourselves um now this at first this resonated with me but the more i look into it the more I feel like we need to work with ourselves not to overcome ourselves so how like what is what does this awareness and action look like could you give us an example of what it might look like like is it just taking a left when you would normally take a right 
Like, is it just trying something new? Is it just testing? And, you know, like, what, what is what is working with ourselves look like in a general sense? So I would just go back and say, I completely agree with what you're saying. I don't like that idea of overcoming ourselves. I think that gets us into a lot of controlling type behaviors, which Mm. may have actually been part of the problem that we're trying to work with. So I absolutely agree with that language of working with ourselves. But in doing that, I do believe it's important to appreciate we have the healthy part of ourselves which I view and deem the authentic or congruent. Okay, self. I like that. I think that's my maybe optimistic part, but I do yeah. believe that people at core, they're good, they're honest, they're moral, um, they're kind, they're loving, like really at core, I think that's who we all are. But then yeah. it can get polluted or corrupted by genetics, by environment, by lots of things that happen to us. Um, so I always do take that default position that I believe the healthy part of ourselves is the congruent self. But then there's the unhealthy part. And it is important for people to appreciate we always have both of those parts of our mind operating at the same time. So most things that we do probably aren't ever going to be entirely pure. Is it the healthy self or is it the unhealthy self? It's probably always going to be somewhat a mixture of both. But what we're aiming for is to move forward in life in a direction that weighs a bit more heavily on the congruent, authentic side of self and away from the unhealthy part of the self. And Mm -hmm. how do we do that? I think a big part of that is we do have to build a strong relationship with our feelings. Going back to that previous question of feelings or emotions as a compass or as a guide, I do believe that our feelings are a hugely honest source of information about who we are and what works for us and what doesn't. So when we can listen to that, I think that that helps us to move in that congruent direction. Okay. And and after all, is it? That's the starting point is, is just mm-hmm. becoming aware of our emotions and using that, treating it as some sort of compass. Yeah. And so, as I was saying before, awareness plus action. So not just being aware of the feelings, but then actually translating them into action. So if something is sitting uncomfortably for me, I may still do nothing. But as you had said as well, health and recovery is about doing different. So, Mm. yes, it's just small steps of action. Yeah. I would normally not eat breakfast when I wake up in the morning. Then perhaps a step of difference is I eat something in the morning when maybe I haven't done that for a long time. Like just anything. Um, like Just anything that you can do differently. And honestly, it can even be I take a different route home um, when I'm Mm. transiting Mm -hmm. from work or school or I pick a different meal when I'm out at a restaurant or I walk a different route. Um, I love that. And it changes up the brain and the perspective. Um, But some people will be struggling more. So they may need to look at maybe some different or perhaps bigger changes. Um, But even the bigger changes start off by being supported by small things. So wherever Mm -hmm. you're hoping to go, it always is a step-by-step, bit-by-bit process. Um, We can't start off changing the world overnight we have to just start off by changing ourselves a little bit at a time i love that and i i've i'm guilty of looking at the mountain and not just taking the first step 
Very, very easy to do that and to get discouraged, no doubt. Um, But there have been many philosophers, many psychologists. uh, Small things equate to big things in the long run. You know, the compound effect of change. We start to build this trust with ourselves, right? That we, okay, I accomplished this. And then we build a little bit of extra self-confidence. Okay, then this and then this. Maybe next week I can go, you know, 30 extra seconds on the treadmill as an example. But just yeah. small incremental progress, right? That's that's the key. And just to do something different, yeah. like anything, like just try something. Um, sure. I love and that. I can go back to what we were talking about before. Yes, please. If you do something different and then you affirm it for yourself. So actually oh. reinforce and congratulate yourself for doing love it. that. All the better. Whereas often because our brains are trained to look at the bigger picture, um, often what people will find themselves doing is that unhealthy part of the brain beats them up for not doing enough, even though they've done something significant. So they did that extra 10 minutes at the gym or they even went to the gym. The brain, you know, may start to chirp at them, but you didn't do long enough, or you didn't work hard enough, or you didn't sweat enough, or, or it's about time. Whatever. Like you, you're so exactly. crappy. Like <laughs> there's all these stories, and so yeah. affirming that I did this, that reinforcement is a really powerful tool wow. to keep us going. I love that so much. So like, so like rewarding your positive behavior. Yeah, I would say it's reinforcing. Reinforcing, so rewarding okay. would be, oh, I get a treat um, yeah. for doing that workout at the gym, which I would say is kind of a, a risky proposition. Because for some people, especially if you're struggling with addiction, um, that actually is kind of the name of the game of addiction. You get this for doing this, even mm. if it's you get to drink for waking up in the morning. Um, it's still Understood. that reward-based thinking. Um, whereas reinforcement can be just an encouragement. Hey, that was really good. I Which see. Really isn't a reward. We're not getting anything um, externally from it, but we are reinforcing that I liked this and I would like to do more of it. But we don't need something external to tell us that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I okay. I I got you. I I love that because I've been I've been toying with should I give myself a reward. I was like thinking like maybe that's what I need. Cause for me, it was always negative self-talk, even like for your example, perfect example, do extra 10 minutes at the gym. For me, what, what my inner voice would say would be like, Oh, like it's about time you did that Larry, you know, exactly. it's just, yeah. even though it's like, it, instead it's just like, Oh, great job. In fact, funny enough, I was reflecting last night and, um, I was like writing down how the day went. And I realized after three lines, I was like, wait, this is all negative. This is like mm-hmm. everything that I didn't do well. But, and I thought I was just reflecting, like this is what happened during the day. Yeah. But if, and I was like, whoa. And then I quickly reframed it and then just focused on the positive. And it was crazy. I felt the change in my body. Like I felt completely different. I was more optimistic for the next day. And so even just a little switch from um, focusing on the good and reinforcing that, I can see how powerful that might be for somebody. Totally. Um, now, if I can just interject there. Okay, yes. Um, that also can, if that's all people are doing, it can Mm. put them on that slippery slope to only focusing on feeling good and avoiding feeling bad. So even as an example with journaling, if people are doing some journaling, um, a common format that I recommend is to do kind of three things in your journaling. So to start off by doing a general feelings check-in and to literally write out every single feeling that you can identify popped up during the day. So cover the whole spectrum from 
anger to sadness to happiness to contentment to being entertained to lust to jealousy whatever yes. is on the game board um, just write them all out just in a list then you can do some process journaling if you feel compelled so just elaborating on what was going on today what were some of your thoughts um, just that open-ended no structure no real format process journaling and then end off with the affirmations, or we could also call it gratitude, um, that you can personalize, or you can also focus on gratitude that's more external. So okay. grateful for the sunshine or for a nice experience you had with somebody mm -hmm. or something nice somebody said to you. Uh, but that's a great point to combine gratitude practice and affirmations. So I do encourage some people people mm. to make some of those writings personal. So if you're doing a gratitude list, make some of them affirmations where they're about you. Um, but I feel like if we incorporate all of those different aspects into journaling, then it provides some nice balance where we're dealing with reality. We're not just essentially trying to mood alter by starting mm. off saying, oh, I feel pretty down and pretty bad but now I'm going to talk myself out of it. That's not what we want to do. We want to be okay. in reality, whatever reality happens to be. Uh, very nice. I love that. So that's and, a practical tool that people can use if they're open to practicing. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm definitely going to chop that little clip up and, and post it as its own tip because I think, I think that's wonderful, wonderful advice to how to journal like that. And I, I'm so curious about this. I'm so curious about, so how does one actually help themselves and, and get through this and, and all this stuff? How do we get the result we want, basically? So there is a million different ways and a million different outcomes that we can get based on who we are. What, do we use CBT therapy? Do we use this journaling tip that you just gave us? There's so many different ways we can help ourselves. So I'm somewhat of a believer in it's not necessarily what tool we use, I think we're going to eventually find that tool if we have enough of an obsession, for lack of a better word, to help ourselves. So I personally think that because I've, I've been down in the dumps, you know, I wasn't taking a whole lot of action. And then I've somehow cultivated for myself an obsession with how can I actually help myself and understand myself. And I kept learning something new, which would put me into a different direction and put me down a different path, which would lead to this, to this, to this. That's actually the reason why I started this podcast initially was how can I help myself overcome this and learn from people like yourself. So for me, I'm somewhat of a believer and it's not like, hey, this is the two, this is the three step process to, you know, achieve happiness. I almost think it's more of like an obsession with how, like just trying until it works, like just a crazy obsession with helping myself basically. <laughs> like I, that, that, that's just how I see it. So like, it, yeah. what, what do you think on that topic? Do you think that like, that is what's necessary or do you think that like we can just accept like the journaling and then this might this might help us and then like I feel like it needs to be like a crazy almost obsession like I gotta <laughs> I'm serious about this like <laughs> you know like I that's what it feels like to me like or, or can we just like kind of nonchalantly go through this or do we really have to be sincere and want it I'm laughing because as a psychologist who treats addiction, I don't think I can say it has to be an obsession because to me that feels like the yeah that sounds like a lot the yeah problem. yeah yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing, <laughs> but I agree. I think with what you're saying, there has to be passion there. There has to be a commitment and a willingness. 
and how I talk about that with people is we have to explore the motivation for change. And that part is very individual and very unique to the person. So if the motivation is to do it because work told you to, or your parent told you to, or your spouse told you to, or you just think you should, um, but you're not really feeling it, then yeah, I mean, people can take action with any of those tools and they may find some benefit, but it's not going to be probably as helpful or as beneficial as if they're doing change and taking these action steps for themselves. And I would say it doesn't have to mm. be in a like completely off the charts, um, you know, 10 out of 10 <laughs> crazed way that you're talking about. Yeah. That I've seen people that there might even just be a, a growing awareness that their yeah. lifestyle isn't working for them and they want something different. And just taking action out of that can start to build a little bit more change and growth and difference. So to me, it comes down to there has to be personal willingness and there does have to be passion. Um, but what that looks like and how that unfolds will be unique to the individual. And honestly, it's just taking a step that the person feels is meaningful and reasonable to them. As you yes. said, there's hundreds, thousands of different tools out there. There's no single right recipe. Yeah, It's finding things that are meaningful to you. One of my most hated questions is <laughs> people ask me for book recommendations. Real interesting. That I hate that um, is because there's so many books out there on so right. many different topics. I have no idea what's going to connect or resonate for right. one person versus another. So usually when people ask me for mm. book recommendations, um, I'll turn that back to them and say, you know what, just go to a bookstore or go online and just go to the section that you're generally looking to change and just start reading some samples or browsing through the book if it's physically there to just get a sense of what personally speaks to you. Because my view of personal growth is if we meet ourselves where we're at, that's what will change us the most. But if we're mm. trying to do things just because we think we should, then it's oh, wow. not yeah. going to be as meaningful as something that we're feeling really connected to. And that's what I hear when you were sharing before. You're just feeling really connected to that general idea of personal growth and personal development, mm. which is awesome. But somebody else might be feeling called to explore leadership or to explore okay. dealing with anxiety um, or dealing with depression or dealing with specific issues around food or alcohol. And if that's the starting point, that's awesome. And then going into that will likely unearth other tools and other things that they can explore that leads to the next thing that they feel called to be passionate about and to explore. So mm. wherever it starts is where it starts. I think it is important that healthcare practitioners, family members, and individuals meet themselves where they're at rather than trying to push something that they think should be important. Be, oh, okay. That's such a great nugget. I think I've, I've been down that rabbit hole. Like what we think should be important. This goes back to like, we all like humans, we want like the three-step guide to happiness or cause it, it worked for this person. They, they look like they're doing so great. So I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. That's, that's a very great thing. I, I think it's just so tough for us to actually go to the bookstore and flip through and see 
what what we like. I think that alone is just like way too much for so many people that it's way easier just to say, what would you recommend me? And then they write it down on their book list that never gets. Yeah. So I think that's, I would, I would agree with you. It's just, I find it so tough for us humans to motivate ourselves to do the littlest things because it's so big in our heads. Um, anyways, I know you got to go. So, and I don't want to overstay my welcome. Because uh, <laughs> I, I, I really, I really do appreciate your time. And um Wow, it's just so nice talking to you. I, I love the tonality you use, by the way. It's something I wanted to mention to you. It's very calming, and it makes me feel like, you know, everything's going to be okay. You know what I mean? It's very, it it's very... going to be okay, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. And I, and I love that. I think, I think that you have a very relaxed and um, very warm vibe about you. And I, you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And I appreciate your questions. I can tell you're really passionate about to <laughs> grow. A little bit obsessed. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's great the enthusiasm that you have. So it's always a pleasure and I'm happy to come back anytime. Oh wonderful. Yeah, I'll have to have you back. hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Thanks, Paige, so much. Yeah. Take care. Wow, that was awesome. Oh my goodness, I love talking to Paige. She's so calm and talks with such ease about these topics because she is just so knowledgeable. It's amazing. So again, thank you to her. The biggest nugget that I got from this episode was to pair gratitude and affirmations in our nightly or morning journal to be grateful about ourselves. I think that's that was beautiful. And I've actually tried this before and I found it to feel really good, but I wasn't sure if I should keep doing it. So now I'm going to give it another chance and to try it again. So that was an awesome little nugget that I took from it. Thank you guys so, so much for watching. I really hope that you got something from this podcast. I really, really hope you did. And um, yeah, I will see you guys next time. Thank you for your time and your energy as always. Peace.